We are flirting with disaster. The Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. Talking sports with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. The Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right. Ronnie O and Coach Joe here in the Ozone. Got a lot of college football to talk about. Florida Gators really disappointing Saturday, last Saturday night. Man, I thought they were going to beat Kentucky. Didn't work out that way. Well, hopefully they can do better this week as the Florida Gators take on USF Bulls this Saturday night in Gainesville at the Swamp, 7.30 kickoff, 4.30 pregame. And you can hear all of that on WONN 107.1 FM, 12.30 a.m. Friday night, I said Friday night, Florida State takes on the Louisville Cardinals up in Louisville and 7.30 kickoff, 6 p.m. pregame. You can hear that right here on WLKF 96.7 FM at 14.30 a.m. Then Sunday, the Bucks head to New Orleans, 1 o'clock kickoff, noon pregame, and that's right here on WLKF. Coach Joe, the Bucks a seven-game losing streak to the New Orleans Saints. I guess a regular season losing streak, yeah. But uh, there's a hidden factor that I think is going to help the Bucks uh, this week, and that is that uh, Chauncey Gardner is uh, <laughs> is no longer with New Orleans. He, uh, the ex-Gator is uh, has killed killed Brady <laughs> recently with his defense, and was a real instigator. Uh, the famous picture of him with his arms crossed, staring right up in Brady's face last year was hilarious. <laughs> Maybe without him. Uh, the Bucks will have a little more success in New Orleans. In fact, I think they will. That defense is playing terrific. We know there was, the Ledger had a great article about a chronological <laughs> recount of the three, the seven defeats. And I think in like the first four, Jameis Winston was the culprit when he was a Buck. <laughs> he played awful against New Orleans. And then when he went over to New Orleans, he was the reason they beat the Bucks in a couple of those. Well, you get those ups and downs with, with Winston. It, it just it, last week when they played at Atlanta, they they were getting their butts beat, and then he got them back from behind, and they pulled out a miracle win. So, you you uh, if he's going well, you figure at some point he'll mess up. If he's going badly, he's going to start getting it hot. <laughs> he's very streaky. So that, but I think right now, just the way the Bucks are playing defense, I think he's in for a rude awakening this week. Well, you hope so, and. Um... Speaking of rude awakenings, the Tampa Bay Rays today laid one on the Blue Jays up in Toronto, 11 to nothing. But unfortunately, it was an odd thing, five-game series, and the Jays beat the Rays three games to two in the series. Yeah, this was a really critical game for that reason. It pulls the Rays back within a half game of the wild cards uh, playoffs and uh, the Yankees are probably a little bit out of reach at this point. We're now down to our final 20 games, now 19. So uh, they really needed this to stay in it. Interesting trivia note, uh, celebrated Roberto Clemente Day today, and everybody wore his number, and uh, the race started a lineup that, other than pitcher McClanahan, was all Latin. So uh, well done, Rays. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, the uh, tragic death of Roberto Clemente as he was in his homeland helping, you know, to bring supplies to some needy people. And they had an overloaded airplane and they tried to take off in Nicaragua and they crashed. And they never found his body. 
No, it's a real tragedy. I didn't realize that today was going to was Roberto Clemente Day, or that the Rays were going to do what they did until uh, until they did it, and then then <laughs> it turns out that uh, they were honoring him today. Apparently, it's the start of Hispanic Heritage Month or something like that. Again, uh, this is not something if if MLB was going to do this where everybody wore Clemente's number, they didn't advertise it. I was surprised by that. Yeah, you know, I hope they don't retire his number like they did. Jackie Robinson's. I mean, you can't tell me the Giants like retiring Jackie Robinson's number. I mean, you know, the guy was a Dodger. We don't like him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We really want to honor Jackie Robinson. Be like the Dodgers retiring Willie Mays' number. You know, the guy tormented the Dodgers, and I'm sure that Jackie Robinson tormented the Giants. Back in FSU his day. never retired Spurrier's number. Did no, they, they did. They <laughs> like, did not. Why not? How'd they not do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what's going on here? Uh, well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to have part of the USF broadcast team, Joy Johnston, longtime writer with the Tampa Bay Tribune, Tampa Bay Times. And we'll be back with Joy Johnston. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Mike Donnelly, Headman's basketball coach at Florida Southern College. You are listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe hanging out in the Ozone talking sports here on Talk Radio 96.7. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right. Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And with us tonight, Joey Johnston, CEO of Johnston Communications 36 years with the Tampa Tribune and Tampa Times and part of the USF broadcast team. Joey, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Nice to talk to you guys tonight. And we appreciate you coming on tonight. Well, the USF Bulls are going to travel to Gainesville Saturday. And um, is this going to be another Appalachian State? I was looking up that the Bulls returned like 19 starters counting the kickers. And uh, they've got some explosive people on offense. How do you see this game shaping up? Well, I'll tell you this. If this is another Appalachian State, then uh, uh, we're going to have quite a ride home in Gainesville. <laughs> if, uh, if the Bulls can go up and handle the Gators, that will, um, you know, the USF's had a lot of big wins in its program uh, history, beating Florida State, beating Auburn, West Virginia, Clemson, Notre Dame. Uh, if they could beat Florida this time, uh, that might be number one. <laughs> uh, because uh, it's it's a, a very, very talented Gator team, and also it would come at a time uh, in the program's history where such a win is desperately needed. That would infuse all kinds of confidence and, um, uh, and interest in the program. Um, I, I, I can't say I visualize that at this moment happening. I know anything can happen. I'm, I'm not going to be on the side of picking an upset. Uh, but you never know. But um, my mind is racing now that you mentioned it. If, if that could happen, that would be a monumental moment for the USF Bulls. <laughs> monumental. Well, USF and Florida have a short history. Two games, Gators won both. Uh, Gators beat them in Tampa last year handily. But there's a little history, too, between the two coaches. Jeff Scott and uh, Billy Napier were both on the Clemson staff at one time, and uh, seemed like they have a mutual respect between the two. Tell us a little bit about the USF offense. Uh, the USF offense, uh, first of all, you have to start with the quarterback, uh, Gary Bohannon, who played last year at Baylor, played very well at Baylor, uh, won 
uh, 12 games, uh, the Big 12 title, and the Sugar Bowl. So he had an excellent, excellent season. What happened, though, was when they got to spring football, uh, he com- he competed against a guy named Blake Shapen. And at the end of spring football, the coaches announced that Blake Shapen would be the starter. And they did that. Uh, they announced that at that time, because actually because of the respect they had for Gary Bohannon. They wanted him, if he chose, uh, to go somewhere else, to that he would have time to do that instead of lingering it into the uh, the fall. So uh, Gary Bohannon is still loved and respected at Baylor, but he looked around, had a lot of options, but loved what Jeff Scott was building in Tampa and felt he could uh, fit in. He had his own competition with Timmy McLean in the fall uh, training camp and won it. Timmy... Uh, <laughs> Hours later, transferred to UCF. Uh, I guess this is what what the competition is like these days in the transfer portal era, era. When a starter is named, particularly a quarterback, the backup leaves skid marks on the way out of town. I think <laughs> you see that over and over. Uh, but anyway, Gary Bohannon is, is a fine quarterback. He has not yet thrown a touchdown pass, uh, just because I think the game situations have dictated they've run the ball in. Um, for their touchdowns so far, but he, he already looks like a guy that certainly is in control and command, usually gets the ball to the right places. I know he's respected greatly by all his teammates, and uh, they, they love him. And I think we're going to, you know, we've, we've not yet seen the best of Gary Bohannon, but I believe he will pay off uh, throughout this season, and, and particularly as they go to the swamp in an environment like that, which can be very intimidating, having a guy like Gary Bohannon with his experience will really pay off for the Bulls. Our guest tonight, Joey Johnston. Uh, you can reach him on Twitter, by the way. Follow him on Twitter, at Joey Johnston 813 And uh, you can call in, 682-1430, 682-1430, if you want to talk a little football with us. Uh, great talking to you, Joey. I've always loved reading your stuff in the Tampa Tribune and, and all, all, the, all those years, and it's just uh, great that you're joining us tonight. Uh, but I want to ask you, you know, we talked about, a little bit about the quarterback for USF. Well, Anthony Richardson, Gators quarterback, had a 75-yard run last year in Tampa. Now, Kentucky was successful against the Gators by making sure that Richardson wasn't going to beat them running. Uh, what do you think the USF defensive plan is? Because it's going to take defense if they hope to have any sort of a chance at an upset, don't don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, and and certainly, uh, you know, on paper that that would be anybody's plan. Uh, as as the defensive coordinator Bob Shoup said, uh, easier said than done. Yeah, uh, these the, <laughs> these strategies look great on paper, but when you get on the field, it, it, you can have some different uh, things happen. But yes, of course, you want to. Uh, maybe put a spy linebacker on Richardson and, and, and make sure that he does not break from the pocket. Um, he has uh, been startling with his ability to run the ball in, in his two years in Gainesville. Uh, not so startling with his passing. Uh, it's been good at times, but has also been very bad at times. Last week uh, was not effective at all, 14 of 35. So I think everybody thinks that's the formula now is to just uh, contain him running. He really didn't even have many carries last week i believe six so i think kentucky just kind of discombobulated florida's plans overall and really um took command of that game in the second half and it looked like to me like the gators got out of what they might have been trying to do and and just did not play a very good game at all in the second half and that was one week after really thrilling the crowd with a comeback victory over utah the number seven ranked team which 
uh, by everything I've heard, was one of the great nights the Swamps ever had in terms of crowd noise and excitement. But unfortunately, they could not follow that up in the SEC opener. So I think with Billy Napier in his first year, I think we're going to see that from the Gators. We're going to see ups and downs, ups and downs. I know after USF, the Gators go to Tennessee. And you better believe the Volunteers are looking forward to that one. Uh, Florida has had their number for a long time. And I think uh, the people in Orange think this might be their year to get the Gators. So that will be a huge environment uh, for the Gators to go up into in Knoxville. Sure will be a lot of ups and downs. Uh, USF search season so far had a down with BYU after a two-hour rain delay. It took just a few seconds for BYU to score. But they're a really good team and bounced back for USF last week against Howard with a big win. So looking ahead at USF, they were 2-10 and 10 last year. Are their forecasts to be significantly better this year? You've seen them now for two games. What do you think? Are they better or is this uh, still stuck in neutral? I, I- no, I think I think clearly they're better. Uh, they have, as you mentioned, a lot of experience. Gary Bohannon makes them a lot better just by his presence. Their special teams are, honestly, I think their special teams are among the, the best in the country with their kicker, punter, and, and their kickoff returners. Um, I, it, it's possible that they could be a lot better, but, but it might not reflect in the win column uh, by a lot, maybe. Uh, certainly... They would love to get to six wins in a bowl game. I think that would be a wonderful goal for the third year, and I'm sure that would every fan would agree. They're dying for a postseason appearance. Uh, the 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 issue is going to be they've got a tough schedule. They've got, as you mentioned, BYU, who might be the best team they'll play all year. And BYU went on to beat Baylor. BYU looks like a top ten team. Uh, they've got Florida, and then they go to Louisville next week next Saturday and Louisville just beat UCF will play Florida state on uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and then the conference play starts with East Carolina coming to Tampa. East Carolina is a pretty good team. They should have beaten NC state. Uh, that's going to be a tough out in Raymond James. And that's going to be a game. The bulls desperately need to win. They need to get on the winning uh, part of the ledger in the American conference. Uh, you know, the, 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 the schedule rotates. You don't play, I think two teams, each year, uh, because of the number of teams in the American Conference, uh, unfortunately, the Bulls do play Cincinnati, and they do play Houston. Those are two of the top teams, and they both uh, are on the road. Uh, so the schedule makers didn't do them a favor <laughs> at all. So they've, they've got a really a tough non-conference schedule to start, and then the way the American Conference schedule sets up isn't, isn't easy as well. So... Whatever they do, they're going to have to earn it. Uh, I do see a path to six wins. Uh, it would involve winning that opener against East Carolina. If they could somehow get a non-conference win, that would put them ahead of schedule. If they could somehow upset Florida or go up to Louisville and win. But I, I, if that, I think if they play to their potential and the ball bounces their way and, and, and they keep improving, I, I, I kind of see in my mind a scenario where they have five wins and they're playing UCF in the, in the season closer and that would be an epic epic weekend in tampa with ucf coming in uh, on its way to the big 12 the, the last US, ucf usf game and, and we're not sure maybe a few years and what a incredible opportunity it would be for the bulls if they could knock off their rivals and get to a bowl game in one fell swoop so that, that's all that all sounds great but the bulls have some work to do to get there and they've got to win some games i don't know that this saturday night is one of those games but uh, 
you know, if they play well and Florida makes some mistakes, um, maybe maybe they can uh, they can do it. They de- they definitely have to start out well and get this game into the fourth quarter, uh, and and then maybe maybe a good fortune will follow them there. Our guest is Joey Johnston, President and CEO of Johnston Communications. And Joey, you've seen a lot of sports in your time covering sports over in Tampa. Give us the most exciting event that you've covered in Tampa sports, and then maybe uh, a funny one if you have something that really tickled your fancy. Well, um, I've been fortunate to to cover uh, local sports, and also I've uh, been fortunate to cover uh, you know national, I guess, kind of sports. I mean, certainly. The U, uh, I got to go to the Rose Bowl when USC and Texas played with Vince Young. That that may be the best football game I've ever attended. I've heard people, some people say it's the best college football game ever played. It certainly was an incredible, incredible one to be at. I've always thought the uh, the choke at Doke was, was quite an afternoon uh, in 1994. Uh, Florida State and Florida ending in a 31-all tie with Florida taking a 31-3 lead into the fourth quarter. That's one I'll never forget. And honestly, I would say that the, the game in 2017, USF at UCF uh, on Black Friday, uh, got an incredible television rating. People all over the country were raving about it. It was one of the one of the most exciting back and forth football games I've ever seen. UCF ends up winning the game and goes on to an undefeated season. So I think those are my those are my football games. I, I certainly have seen a lot of great local sports as well. I'll never forget in Plant City when the 1982 Boys Basketball Championship by Horace Broadnax. Yeah. That's one that will stick with me forever. Uh, we've, we've been able to see Plant and Armwood win uh, football titles. Um, and I, I had a long period where I covered a lot of college sports and got to see Florida, Florida State, and Miami each win national football titles. and got to see Florida win two basketball titles. So those were all very memorable. And then on the the local Tampa professional scene, of course, the Lightning and the Bucks and the Rays have given us a lot of uh, a lot of great memories. Um, you know, there's there's a it's funny. It's like you you, you do this for a while and you, you just forget things. They, they run together. But um, man, there's there's just any number of uh, of things that can make me laugh as I look back at them. Just some, you know, you're gonna have these just crazy unexpected things that happen at a game where it just looks like kind of an average night. And you, an all-time classic, um, you know. Seeing the Bucks win the Super Bowl is certainly a, a, a great memory. Um, I think, you know, I don't know that the Bucks would have laughed, but there were certainly some funny moments when they <laughs> had their losing seasons. And and you look back, and, and it, it is kind of funny to think of the crazy stuff that went on all those years. But here in the modern era, we see a, a championship Bucks team, and that's uh, that's kind of mitigated all the all the crazy memories. So I've been, I've been really fortunate uh, to, to not only, you know, see all the locals do well, but also uh, on the national and international stage. Um, So, and I, I still love doing it. I love, uh, love the unexpected. You never know what you're going to get in sports. You might see something, you know, that will rank as one of the great games ever played. So that's, uh, you know, I think every time you go to a game, there's that anticipation of what, what could happen? It might not be that great in, in the long run, but it might. You just never know. So who knows what we're going to see in Gainesville? I mean, uh, we might see something we'll be talking about for years. Well, you know, we love doing this show, and one of the reasons is the opportunity to talk to guys like you, Joey. It's been just an enormous pleasure talking to you. 
here uh, t- tonight. And uh, best of luck to you with, with everything. And maybe in five years, USF uh, will be talking about a game on an on-campus stadium there maybe, huh? Well, that's the plan. The plan is, as your listeners may know, uh, it's moving forward. Uh, they are de- starting to design the on-campus facility, and they hope to hope to have a game in 2026, the first game. Of course, the, the big unknown, and it, it's a pretty big unknown. We don't know how this is going to be paid for yet. Oh, Joey so, Johnston <laughs> Stadium has a great ring. Just one stroke really of the does. pen, Joey. That's all it takes. If I had uh, $300 million lying around, I, I think I could make that happen. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't, but uh, I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get it done. I, I, I do, you know. This has been talked about literally my whole lifetime. When I was a when I was a kid, I remember them talking about it, you know, starting football and having a stadium. So I do believe once and for all this is actually going to happen. So let's all hope we can all live to see it and see a USF on campus game. I'm sure they'll try to have a great opponent for the opener, and I think it would really, you know, be a neat thing to to uh, tap college football. Right. Yeah, well, we can't wait to talk about it then and uh, and, and talk about it with you. And you, you uh, we, we don't have to wait that long. We hope we can have you on again uh, sometime soon, Joey. It's been an absolute genuine pleasure. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, best of luck to you and the Bulls all season long, except maybe Saturday. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Call, call back anytime. It was nice talking to you guys. All right, it's thank- a pleasure. Joey Johnston, President CEO of Johnston Communications. And you're going to... We're going to come back after the break. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, let's get back into the Ozone and talk some sports with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone we're talking sports. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Well, on this date in 1902, Tinkers, Evers, and Chance turned their first double play in Major League Baseball. In this date in 1912, the Red Sox' Smokey Joe Wood tied the Major League Baseball record of 16 straight wins by a pitcher. And in 1946, the Dodgers and Cubs game was called after five innings because of Nats. You heard me, Nats. Well, back in 1963, speaking of Spanish Hispanic Heritage Month, the Alou brothers, Felipe, Matty, and Jesus, were all together in the Giants' outfield. In 1969, Steve Carlton struck out 19 New York Mets. 1979, the Boston Red Sox, Bob Watson, was the first to have hit for the cycle in both the American and National League. Birthdays. In 1938, Gaylord Perry was born. He's 84 years old today. Five-time All-Star. Won the Cy Young Award in both leagues. 314 wins in a 3.11 ERA earned him a Hall of Fame induction. 1940, Merlin Olson was born on this date. Of course, he was the defensive tackle for the Rams, and some of you might remember him as being a television star later. He unfortunately passed away in 2010. Merlin Olson was a real good friend of my buddy Jack Youngblood. They were real close friends and um 
Jack used to go out to Utah and do a football camp with Merlin uh, for a long time. 1951, Pete Carroll was born. Of course, Pete Carroll, you know, it's kind of like Bill Belichick. You know, he was unsuccessful as Belichick was an unsuccessful coach. With the Browns, they fired him. And Pete Carroll was unsuccessful in coaching the New York Jets. Then he went to Southern Cal and was ultra, ultra successful. Came back, coached the um, uh, Seattle Seahawks, and won a Super Bowl. How about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then another guy. You may have heard of this guy, Coach. Dan Marino turned 61 today. You ever hear him? <laughs> Dan's sixty-one. I bet he can still. I bet he can still sling it too. <laughs> I bet he can too. Boy, what an arm that guy had! Yeah, he was he was spectacular. Uh, you, you know the the way he could put the ball so quickly on the money, and uh, he, he was definitely, you know, one a pure passer too, not a runner at all. Yeah, <laughs> not not even a little bit. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, you know, those days seemingly are going by the boards a lot. So you'll have Brady around who's who's a pure passer, but more and more you're seeing guys who are run pass option. Very maybe, true. maybe that's a trend that'll that'll pass. I don't know. But you watch a guy like Justin Fields and Trey Lance. They were battling out in the rain at Soldier Field last Sunday and which was an interesting game to watch. Neither of them were passing that great, but their movement, their mobility helped uh, Fields made several plays with his feet. Well you know when Eric, the Eric Clark Foundation takes over the world. One of the things, one of my pet peeves that I want him to take care of is that in football statistics, stop subtracting the rushing, the quarterback sacks from the rushing yardage. It should be a separate category because it distorts the rushing yardage. It should be a separate category because then you get a true picture of how many yards they really rushed for instead of subtracting that, which it's not a running play. Yeah, for especially guys who can still run. I don't know if you saw any of that Monday night game, uh, Russell Wilson is with Denver now, playing at Seattle. Boy, the schedule yeah. makers said, hey, welcome, welcome to Denver. We're sending you back to Seattle for, for the opener. Uh, he's, at his age, he's, as long as he's been around, it's been like 10 years now, he is amazing how mobile he still is. Do, do you have any predictions for when Eric Clark will take over the world, the Eric Clark Foundation? I, I think he already had. I didn't know that, well, that was a future. I, I, shall, thought, I shall never take over the world. This is Eric's world. We just live in it, Ron. That's right. We have viz of making you talk, old man. But it's stupid. Uh, the legendary Clarkster, you know, the guy. Have you been on his yacht? Yeah, well, you know, no, he's let me clean the barnacles off the bottom of it from the time. What yacht? What yacht? <laughs> but uh, in dry dock, but no, no, never, never been on it. No. Yeah, I, no, I got it. I got a dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> never gotten an invitation on his yacht either. You know, he he has these lavish parties every weekend, and he doesn't invite us. You know, of course, you wouldn't get anything to eat. We know that much. Don't invite myself. <laughs> he, he invites us uh, when he needs, you know, people to park the cars. <laughs> yeah. At his vast estate. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, pieces for his human chessboard. <laughs> Clark Manor. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Stately Clark that's Manor. Stately Clark Manor. <laughs> stately Clark Manor. <laughs> oh, no. Stately Lake Clark <laughs> when it rains. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Dan Marino, wow. You know, that's one of those things where he made the Super Bowl, what, his second year? 
Yes, it was second year. He was uh, he was good his first year too, but uh, a little late in the season, knee injury kind of affected him against Seattle in the playoffs, and they got beat. But second year, they were on a roll. They only lost twice. And he's and, he's thinking, you know, I'm going to get back here a lot of times. And anybody that was following football thought, yeah, you're right, you're going to get back many times, oof. and it just never <laughs> happened, did it? No, it it didn't, uh, and. We uh, the the late '80s was one bad defensive team after another. They went to the AFC Championship game the year after the Super Bowl, and they lost there. And they then they went through a really long dry spell with just bad defense, uh, j- just just awful awful bad defense. We were uh, talking to um, uh, David Williams a, a week yes. or so ago, and we're, you know one of the things he was playing for the Houston Oilers team that beat the Dolphins like a drum in 1989 by 39-7 to seven or something like that. And I remember the commentator near the end of that game saying the Dolphins have wasted another year of Dan Marino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, man. Uh, things got a little better in the early 90s, but uh, just bad luck, really. You know, one of the things that Joey Johnston brought up was the 1994 Florida-Florida State game, and the Gators led 31-3 to three at the half, and, you know, they, they ended up tying – and it's referred to as the choke at Doak. But, you know, to me, <clears throat> I don't know why anybody never took Bobby Bowden to task. He kicked the extra point to tie the game. He had the momentum. I mean, what a monumental win that would have been. And, you know, Bowden often said, if you lose that Florida game, it's a long 365 days with our boosters until you get to the next one. So if you win that game, oh, my goodness, Imagine what that would have brought for him. That would have really been uh, a devastating blow to the Gators, whose 1994 season kind of fell apart uh, against Auburn a, a few weeks earlier, and that was that was a team that was lacking something. But but they fixed that the following year and the year after that. But the, the interesting thing about '94, this was before the overtime rule, so ties still existed, and so going for a tie, you're literally saying we're going to settle for not losing. And I don't know, uh, you know, whether I think it's a college game, you know, uh, they weren't trying to protect a national championship season or something. To me, you go ahead and and try to win. Yeah, exactly. You got all the momentum. Now, it's a little trickier now because you go to overtime or not. And the the example I'm thinking of is this LSU-FSU game where LSU has that amazing, having done very little offensively all night. They have this amazing 99-yard touchdown drive at the gun to get within a point. And they try to kick the extra point. Why not in that situation? I know they just had an all-or-nothing play that they were successful at. Why not one more all-or-nothing play? Are you really totally better agree. off in, in, in overtime in that situation? The perfect example of that was Texas and Kansas last year, right? Twenty twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. You know, Kansas, their coach um, Leopold, isn't that his name? Yeah. You know what? Yeah. He's got him going, too, this year. Watch out for this. Yeah, (laughs) he could be going to Nebraska or someplace. You never know. But, you you know, that guy had, to me, the perfect idea. You're beating – you're up against a superior team. You know they're deeper than you are. And so why not roll the dice? You're going to win or lose a football game no matter what you do. And then a walk-on fullback who had not caught a pass in his career catches – the winning two-point conversion. And I think his parents were in the stands, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they, they were. In fact, uh, online there was some video that they were taking from like the other end of the field. They didn't even realize he was. it was their son who had caught the pass. You can hear their mother going, 
is, is that? Ah! <laughs> when they realized they were filming the play and they realized that it was their kid who actually caught the pass over the two-pointer. Uh, that that was that was terrific. He, Appalachian State against North Carolina earlier this season went for two in a critical yeah. situation. They didn't make it. Then on the onside kick, North Carolina uh, foolishly ran it all the way back for a touchdown <laughs> to give Appalachian State one more chance to tie. And uh, uh, but Appalachian State, Texas A and M, uh, yeah, that that to me was was a shocker, a real shocker, which makes. Yeah. This week's to me the biggest game of the week: Miami, Texas A&M. One of those teams is gonna is is going to be exposed as a fraud. Which one? I don't know. How, how much oil money does it take for the eighty-nine million dollar buyout on Jimbo Fisher's contract right now? How many yeah. barrels of oil is that? Well, he doesn't have to worry. He could go for two all he wants because it's it's too expensive. He's what is it? Too big to fail or yeah. too, too expensive to fire? Did you see that great interview that they had with Ed Orgeron? And he was at the um, uh, Arkansas quarterback club, and they asked him about getting fired, and he said, well, they called me in and said, you know, coach said, we're not doing very well. He says, heck, said Stevie Wonder could see that. He said, um, <laughs> and then they told me, he said, we owe you $17.1 million. We're going to pay it all. He said, when do you want me to leave and what door do you want me to go out of? <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Ken Anderson, Super Bowl quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, and you're listening to The Ozone with Ronnie Ocean and Coach Joe. Ronnie O, Coach Joe, in The Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in The Ozone. I can hear it now. Coach Joe, can you hear those stomachs growling out there? I thought it was just me. Oh, <laughs> yes, sir. They are hungry. They are thirsty. And they know the number is 682-1430. We are curing hunger one person at a time here in the Ozone. When you have, getting to me? All right. Well, I don't think $30 would cover the Clarkster's entree, much less his uh, hors d'oeuvres. It just... It would take $300 at least to feed the Clarkster out there. Alehouse has great food, but I don't think they've got caviar. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little snack. There you go. All right, here you go. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call at 682-1430. If you know the answer to our quiz, that's 682-1430. We mentioned Dan Marino, former Dolphins Hall of Fame quarterback, turned 61 today. Real easy. Where did he play his college football? 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you haven't won in the last six months, you can call us. We'll send you out the Ale House located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. You can enjoy those 40 strategically located television sets. You can have those drink and meal specials work in your favor. And you can go out there and eat and drink $30 worth on us. 682-1430. At 682-1430. All you got to do is tell us where Dan Marino played his college football. So 682-1430. You know, the Alehouse doesn't have caviar, Ronnie, but what they do have, what Jorge has told, told me that they have, is they do have the Thursday night football game, even though it's on prime video these days. Uh, if you uh, want to see it, check out the Alehouse. I may stop by there later just to see if, in fact, he's telling me the truth. But I, I know Jorge, general <laughs> manager over there at the Alehouse, and he's, he's a... If, He's a very honest guy, so if he says it's there, it's there. And if you're interested, we're in the second quarter in Kansas City, but it's the Chargers with the 10-0 lead. 
Watch Ooh. out for the L.A. Chargers. They beat up on the Raiders last week. And now shutting out the Chiefs, the Chefs. What's up there? Man, I'll tell you what. Well, we got somebody that's hungry and thirsty already. Bob, how are you tonight? Good. Thank you. Hi, Bob. So you hungry and thirsty? I certainly am. All right. Where did Dan Marino go to college? Well, I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I think I might know the answer to that one. <laughs> I think I just might know the answer to that. I thought you were going to ask me something tough, like what was his number? Okay, what was his number then? Thirteen. His thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Dan Marino, uh, University of Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, well, what was his girlfriend's name though? What was his what? His girlfriend's name. His wife's name was Claire. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know Bill Maserati's girl wife's name, Mylene. But anyway, I don't know Dan Marino's wife's name. That's a, that's a good one. Man, you're really getting obscure now. <laughs> Well, hey, yeah. So, so Bob, were you a Pittsburgh Panthers fan growing up or now? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't hear. I didn't hear that. Were you a fan of the of the Pitt Panthers? Oh, absolutely. So, so what? Absolutely. So, are they? What did we learn from watching them against Tennessee last week? Um. Well, they played West Virginia, and and. Uh, I went to school in West Virginia, West Virginia University. The backyard brawl to open the season, yeah. So, I, but I still root for Pitt, even even though I, I attended Ooh. West Virginia University, <laughs> which is really, but that's the way it is. You is that know, legal you root for who you grew up with? Well, that was that was an amazing game, by the way. Uh, playing against West Virginia, who was quarterbacked by the ex-Georgia quarterback J.T. Daniels. Uh, and that went right down to the last play. And then this game against Tennessee went into overtime. So Pitt looks good. One one great win, one tough loss. Yeah, exactly. Did we lose Bob? Are we there? Bob, you still there? <laughs> Bob, don't go away. I'm, I'm, Eric has to get your information so you can uh, uh, take advantage, take uh, claim your prize at the alehouse. So you need to hang on the line. Okay. Okay, great. Thanks, Ronnie. All right. Well, hang on the line. Eric will get your information and – so uh, we don't have too much time left. We've got only one minute left. But, uh, Coach Joe, it seems like the hour goes by so fast. Oh, yeah, it really does. Uh, it was so great talking to Joey Johnston. Uh, he, he's, he's absolutely terrific. And uh, it's it been a lot of fun doing this show. It's a great time of year. You know, uh, football season, uh, we're into week three now for college football, week two of the NFL. So I will be watching, doing show prep, just for you fans out there, watching as many po- games as I possibly can so we can talk about them next week. <laughs> there you go. Well, we don't have much time left, but next week we'll be back with another great guest. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll have somebody on from the Tennessee Volunteers if we can find somebody that's an expert on volunteers and um, we can talk about the Florida-Tennessee matchup. You never know who we're going to have here on the Ozone. Might have somebody from Florida State. Might never know. Miami, we've had just about all the schools.